Hello, hello. Can everyone hear me? Loud and clear. Nice, nice, nice. So, um, again, thank you to the the folks at Founders Factory for collaborating to just put this together. Excited about it. Um, from the team in house, um, the communications team, the Founders Factory. So again, our special and insightful guests um, coming up on this Twitter space to have this interesting conversation alongside me. Um, again, we're excited um, at Founders Factory to always like have conversation, not just tailored across the sectors that we invest, but also tailored to make sure like all entrepreneurs on the continent have good nuances about, again, what's essential or what facilitates the success of their businesses. Um, just before I introduce my speakers um, or my co-speakers, who I'll just be moderating these conversations for, um, I'll just want to, again, in like a minute or two, talk about Founders Factory, um, who we are, what we do, why this conversation would be insightful for everyone joining us. Um, so let me just deep dive, like, let me deep dive on that one. And then I'll just call upon our guests to, again, introduce themselves. Um, just so like the, you know, when you go to different spaces, they would have like some certain roles for like housekeeping. Um, for the spaces, the, the, the housekeeping roles would be that the co-host, the host co-host, um, again, will be able to have people join us on stage. Um, and if you just, as you're, as you're entering the conversation, I would like you to share the, the link with your community. Um, when it's time for Q&A, we'll bring people up, ask your questions. My, my, my guest and also my, my co-speakers will be, will be really excited to um, answer questions across board just around their area of like expertise and also their area of interest. Um, the spaces would again um, be scheduled to be, be, be around for like 45 minutes for just upon the interest and also the excitement that we're able to um, plant into the session. It might just again take a life of its own and then um, keep the conversations open because what are we? You're just here to make sure like our lines' opinions are, um, are guarded and also supported to achieve the big goals of their of their businesses and just scale exponentially. Um, so I'll just do the intro for Founders Factory and then I would um, welcome Yvonne, Eunice, and then my last speaker um, to to have Lucius Tahir to, to be able to introduce themselves and we'll just go straight into like what their companies do and, and whatnot. So my name is Ayoba Migbe. I'm a sourcing lead at Founders Factory. Um, sourcing, what we do basically is we are we are the team that front faces with entrepreneurs and see if it works for us. I, um, I, you seem I, to be cutting out a lot. Um, I'm not sure if you can move to. Uh, 
so you've been cutting out quite a bit since the beginning. So um, you're, you're, you're coming in and out. Oh, is it better now? Yes, it's fine now. Okay, I'm... cool. So, yeah, please, please let me know if that happens again. So I could just keep moving around to get the best um, connectivity. So I was just about introducing Founders Factory. Um, what I do at Founders Factory first. I'm IO, um, Venture Sourcing at Founders Factory. And Founders Factory is a, a corporate-backed fund um, that invests across three core verticals, Arctech, FinTech, and LTech. Um, we are backed by um, great businesses who, who are corporates and have been able to build value and also um, influence the GDP of Africa um, across the different boards. So um, for Agritech, which is going to be the main focus here, we, we are backed and also supported by Small Foundation. A Small Foundation is a Dublin-based family house that is interested in eradicating, um, again, um, food insufficiency uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa and also um, supporting entrepreneurs um, across the, the, the multiple use case of agriculture, um, but agriculture products, um, mostly pro, um, companies that are using technology to scale agriculture and continent. Um, for us as Founders Factory, we've been able to back um, four businesses um, in the ag tech um, space, and we are geared up to just do more. We just want to support, we just want to scale, we just want to back many agri tech businesses. And we believe these opportunities and platforms are just, again, some of the insightful channels at which we just, again, start the conversations, enable our, our community kind of like, not just see us as like a procedural process towards funding, but see us as a partner and also see us as a core supporter of the ecosystem in building core agri-tech products and scaling them. Um, on this basis today, uh, we have a conversation just um, built around this team of scaling agri-tech ventures. Um, should businesses be looking at debt, grants, or equity? Um, and I've been able to, again, just look into my community too, again, as for, for Founders Factory, we are focused on, again, the community. Uh, not just backing, but community approach to scaling, community approach to supporting. Hence, we just looked around and we were able to, again, bring up some of our interesting um, colleagues, friends across the ecosystem. Um, so, again, they are all um, speakers already. What I would do is I would just call up their names and if they could, in, in two minutes, just, you know, from them, talk about their businesses, uh, talk about their funds and also structures, and then we can just be able to have better nuances just from them, what they do, and also how they support um, entrepreneurs and scaling. So I'll just start with Yvonne. Um, Yvonne, if you could please just again introduce yourself and talk more uh, about Untapped Global, uh, where Yvonne is an investment officer there. Yvonne. Okay. Hey, Ayo, thanks for the introduction and thanks for Founded Factory for putting this conversation together. Um, just want to confirm that you guys can hear me. Yes, you can, clearly. Perfect. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm Ivana Kafo. I'm an investment officer with Untap Global. Um, a little bit about Untap. So we, um, the main um, investment part of our business is we have an asset financing vehicle where we deploy capital to finance assets using a model that we call smart asset financing. And the smart component of it is that we take a data-driven approach to investing. 
um, where once we finance the assets of a business, we would um, get access to the data generated from the um, generated from the use of that particular asset as a way for us to understand the company's operations, understand monitor the company's growth, but then also monitor the um, money generated from the use of that asset as the way we get our returns is through a revenue share. Um, so we do this across multiple sectors. Um, and agritech is also one of the sectors that we are keenly, keenly looking to invest in. And it's something that we've looked into um, expansively across different types of use cases. Um, so happy to share some insight, but then also learn a little bit more um, from the other speakers, but then also you, the audience, um, to see if there's anything, any additional tips that we may also take on the debt side. Um, but then also happy to provide some insights that we found from our research and our conversations and all the different due diligence that we have done um, with agri-tech companies as well. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I think how we can do this is like think about it from, again, Untapped Global is um, big and also have been able to generate successes across backing entrepreneurs, um, leveraging that debt instrument and also um, facilitating it, not just begin by providing debt, but also by providing that core depth of knowledge um, and just, again, making sure entrepreneurs kind of scale um, with debt and also with the, with the experience they have. So thank you so much, Yvonne. I think you're going to add a lot of color to these conversations. Um, again, I would go to um, Tayo, and then uh, after Tayo, we'll do Eunice. Um, cool. So I'll tell you over to you. Thanks, Ayo. Uh, thanks for the interview, Yvonne, as well. Um, so I, uh, I come from Savant. Uh, Savant, for a very long time, was just an incubator, uh, busy venture building and supporting organizations, and it started back in 2003. Um, and, you know, doing the fundraising for companies and structuring and making sure they innovate towards uh, commercially driven businesses in the end. Um, and then that later evolved into us uh, administering uh, grant funding, um, and then after that, actually becoming a VC. So we've 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 got a bit of experience across grants, uh, debt, and equity. Um, and uh, much like Untapped, we actually are quite um, uh, agnostic when it comes to uh, in industries. Um, so we, you know, we, we in health tech, we in energy, agri, uh, we just really follow the, the, the strengths of the innovations and, and, the, and the, the market opportunities that come with those. Um, and then so along the way, we've actually uh, built, a, a, you know, quite a few um, ag tech opportunities uh, through our portfolio. Um, so I'm happy to share about you know, the learnings that we've had there. We primarily are in South Africa at the moment, uh, but starting next year, we are looking to launch our Pan-African Fund. Um, so we have also been looking at the rest of Africa quite uh, uh, feverishly, um, sort of just itching to get out there. So also super eager to learn what the uh, audience and uh, fellow um, uh, panelists have to say today. Thank you so much, Tayo. So um, again, um, for more context is the venture building angle um, and also the, the, the level of expertise you've been able to just have by supporting and also kind of deep diving into the ad tech space um, for those extensive years. Yeah, thank you so much. It'll be super interesting also for the conversation. Um, so we'll go to um, Wambui 
um one but you could just please do your intros and then um we could just again deep dive into like um questions thank you ayo uh, exciting to be in this space today uh, so I'm Eunice Waboy. I'm an investment manager at Founders Factory. So I won't go too deep into what we do at Founders Factory since Ayo has covered that. A bit of my background is I have banking experience uh, and management consulting experience, uh, part of it in agribusinesses. I've also worked in investing in VC funds who are also looking at agritech as one of their core spaces. And what we do now at Founders Factory on my end is once the companies are on board, uh, which IO uh, mainly focuses on, we have a build program where I can be able to talk about companies that come all the way from a founder who just has an idea and not a product or somebody who has a product moving on to uh, MVP or somebody with MVP moving on to product market fit. Uh, so looking forward to talking about how we see different sources of capital working as you go through that value chain. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Eunice. So um, for context and color, which is great, Eunice is a colleague um, at Sounders Factory. Um, have we been able to, again, um, just make sure we, we as a team distribute resources, um, distribute, um, again, community approach. It's to, it's to have teams where we make sure that every team, every team in the company or everything at the fund, Founders Factory, knows that we are in the game to scale um, businesses alongside the entrepreneurs. So we are like the first call from the moment we start engaging you from the just seeing your deck or having a referral, we just have the mindset of we are partners in this and your partners in this through the successes, partners in this through the, the challenges and partners in helping understand what success looks like on, on the big picture. So yeah, thank you so much, Ines, um, for that for that color. Um so so for me, right, I think I would I would just Think through this this AgTech um, successes and also the AgTech as a focus over time, um, and just kind of like start with some some um, some 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 of the thoughts I've been able to gather, um, just just reading through some some insights, and it just kind of talks that um, for ag AgTech over time, the, the the there's a little bit of more consciousness by investors by structures. Um, and also by like entrepreneur aligned um, programs to just think through how do we solve things around um, food scarcity? How do we tap into the large agreeable lands that about a, a considerable amount, about 60% or about 70% is still on the African continent? And also how do we, again, look at the successes that technology has been able to add and build in different um sectors and kind of rope that into like um agri-tech and also enable scale but but consciously we've seen that for for this kind of skill to happen it's tied to capital it's tied to support it's tied to nuance based knowledge and and we've seen that over time in in countries like like again in in, in countries like india you're finding things where yeah, they're like smallholder farmers too, and smallholder farmers most times um, is a category of farmers that have been 
below two hectares where they use two two hectares where they are old and used to be able to plant different kind of products. Most times, plants for consumptions, but again, as the opportunities begin to scale, they they begin to plant for sale. They begin to plant. They begin to plant for um, other kind of core sectors, manufacturing, and also different kind of thing. Um, for for the context here is we are looking at again, these structures are in place. We know that Africa has like a very large smallholder farmer kind of community, and we are thinking about that for which to aggregate um, scale. It takes a lot more of um, a cyclical kind of funding where you put money in and over time you allow the farmers to do their thing, um, plant, harvest, and then they're able to just have a, a balance sheet in a structure and then you take, if, if they're being financed with asset structures and whatnot, you're able to just enable them to succeed with the patterns they are comfortable with, which is, again, cash in, cash out. How do you see building um, ad-tech businesses? Is it the same way we kind of build fintechs? Um, is it the same kind of metrics use of fintechs? Is the same kind of like um, scale projections we have for fintech that we can use to build agri-tech? Cool. Uh, I think that's actually a great question uh, for a number of reasons. So um, I, I think when we, when we, when we talk ag-tech, I think I, I, what I also want to sort of do is make a, a distinction, right? So there's, there's, there's tech-enabled and there's what, I don't know if this is a term or not, but like applied technology as well. So tech-enabled would be your, your platforms and your apps and and those sorts of things. And then your, your applied technology would be your science and engineering type of um, innovations that you bring to you know, the agricultural space that uh, you know, either enhances or create, generates you know, more value or, or creates efficiencies in the system. So I, it just in terms of, you know, <laughs> so with the event plays specifically on the sort of applied side, almost immediately when you ask the question, you know, do we look at the same sort of metrics and do we expect the same um, rapid sort of adoption and scale that you would see in fintech? My answer is almost immediately a, a no. When we look at business, we look at the embedded opportunities, but we also look at it with an understanding that, you know, when you do have a physical intervention, it takes time to get to market and you have to be very precise and customer centric and very focused on, on what you do. But then also once you, once you hit market, you need to know that, you know, it's very different taking an applied piece of technology, you know, embedding it in someone's value chain because it's a lot more, uh, I guess the word is invasive. So you've got a lot of barriers, perceived barriers around risk uh, and so forth that you would need to, you know, overcome before you actually start to get adoption. And then, you know, adoption still needs to ramp up from there. So, you know, as far as, as metrics go and, you know, the timelines that we see, we, we do see it taking a little bit longer. But what we do see, though, is a, is a more entrenched business, a more resilient business, because uh, after all of that, once you've delivered your value and, you know, create and capture successive value and value-added services, you know, you have this embedded opportunity that's really hard for competitors and new, new, new other types of technologies to unseat unless they can, you know, create multiples of value more than what you already created. Basically, the long, the short of the long is, uh, we see it as taking longer. We wouldn't look at the same metrics that a fintech uh, organization would, but we do see us getting uh, comparable returns over a longer period. I think I would again piggy this back to like um, Eunice because at Ingressive, your your job um, that you mentioned again is that you work with founders again in like helping them understand 
what matters, what moves them from this point to the next point, attracting capital and also finding the core proposition of the business, which is like what we call the North Star metrics. For Actec, at the metrics, because you've mentioned resilience, I tell you mentioned resilience, that you also mentioned that again, they have to build in ways that is sustainable, um, not just kind of like the the, the typical or, or some ways we've seen where companies again have some some stretch of capital and then they go on this growth search on it, try multiple directions. For Actec, is is there a specific kind of rule of thumb that because of the they need to follow or is it that again based on even the part of ag tech you're building there are different things you begin to look out for as you launch into the market so that you can be able to attract more funding or also scale Ines. thank you ayo uh so i want to contextualize that question with what you've seen in the market as you're looking at different sectors that ag tech is definitely one that's very different from a fintech or from a health tech or from a logistic tech because looking at it from a VC standpoint, VCs want businesses that are asset light, businesses that are nimble, businesses that have high margins and high growth, and businesses that can pick up quickly. What you find on the ag tech side is, as, as my fellow speakers are saying, it just it takes longer. And most of the time, especially when you're talking about the very early stages, we do find that a lot of the times you need to take a step back as you're talking to the founders, to really reposition, the, to make sure that the, the, the business is positioned for growth. Why? Because as you mentioned earlier, a lot of the innovation is centered around smallholder farmers and increasing their productivity for primary production. And the challenge, obviously, is that smallholder farmers are not really willing buyers or willing payers. They may need the product, they may find the product useful, but a business model that relies on farmers to essentially pay for the product just doesn't work. And so what we've seen on the ag tech side is we take a step back to say, okay, this is the product that you're providing. This is the use case for the product, but who can pay for this product? So I'd say it's different in that a lot of it is repositioning that business to see how you can unlock value. And you're usually prepared to how to work with the businesses longer because it just takes longer and also start orienting fellow investors early on so that then they can start telling you these are the type of metrics you'll be looking at. This is what it would take for us to invest. Thank you. I think, again, I was, I'm going to just, before I go to, to, to Yvonne, I would want to come back to you, Tayo, and ask this question. Do Actec founder needs to have a different mindset as an entrepreneur? Um, and this is because we're talking about Actec, debt, equity, uh, or grants. In a lot of other sectors, you are really not talking about either of the, like, you know, really not talking about maybe two of the options as viable ways to maintain a business. You are thinking of equity because there's, there's the slush of, um, there are funds that are focused on this particular species in being able to scale financial inclusion, being able to build specific use cases of of different financial products and services. So it's should a typical ad tech founder, should he have a different mindset from every other kind of entrepreneur? Um, what do you what do you think uh, about that? And also what are like different kind of examples that maybe you might have been exposed to that shows that oh it's still the same kind of mindset or oh there might be there needs to be maybe like a reawakening of the mindset 
just because these are more of like the three options and, and these are like more viable ways to, to attract funding? Yes, because the general feeling amongst VCs is that, you know, uh, in general, when there's an entrepreneur and they've got an innovation, they need to go to market quickly, hit market and sell um, and scale and grow. And it doesn't necessarily happen that way. So you need to go into it, understanding that that certain parts of the mindset, there are certain basics, I think, that every entrepreneur should embrace, particularly if you are doing a, an applied technology, like I mentioned, um, technology, the ticket sizes are generally higher, it's more expensive to get to market. Um, but, you know, once you get, get to market, things, things, you know, just in terms of just being realistic about your timelines and that sort of thing, maybe, maybe it is a little bit different. Um, just a while, while I mentioned being customer focused, uh, I've, I've seen people, you know, going to market with assumptions and then those assumptions don't work out in terms of how customers would be willing to pay. Um, so I've seen people, you know, just because of the different markets that they're in, you know, in some markets, people are, will, are more inclined to do a pay as you use and uh, other people are more inclined to do a once of payment and others are, are more amenable to a recurring sort of subscription fee every month. Other people would rather just pay once a year, every year, you know, so it's all about going out and learning your customer. I think that's, that's that's my biggest contribution to that. I said I was going to go back to Tahir and ask him some specific questions on those nuances you mentioned. But again, thank you for um, helping me come back online, because your point earlier about founders building on with asset-like kind of models, building on cost sustainability structures, is what just takes me to Yvonne. Because you know, when Yvonne did introductions, she mentioned that Otaplopol are coming into, again, the space to aid entrepreneurs to be able to get um, much-needed debt financing. And through, like, again, as like as managing uh, and also investing in some of these assets and energy revenue sharing. I was, the, question I, the question I had for her is, does tech businesses have the same criteria for debt fundraisers? Because their years are, like, again, before, before stickiness, um, again, product adoption, um, we still have a lot of nuances on the continent, um, financial um, technology, um, kind of like tech, educating farmers and people. Do, do hard tech businesses have the same criteria when you're trying to raise debt finance? Um, and also, if you can just kind of like touch up on one or two models uh, or example, even businesses that have, might not have, benefited from untapped um, model but again across this debt market that that would be very helpful for like the, the audience yeah happy to so maybe a more direct answer to your question do ad tech businesses have the same um criteria or do they have to or do they require the same criteria for debt as other industries short answer that i would say yes the longer answer, um, I'd say it's, it, it really depends on what the debt is being used for. Um, I think one thing to really understand is that um, debt comes in a lot of different ways. Um, and even just thinking about untapped model, like I said, our model focuses on financing this specific physical asset being used um, for the business. If you think about ag tech businesses, um, some of the physical assets could be anything from machinery to actually operate, think tractors or even just cold storage rooms, um, 
But then it could also kind of extend to working capital financing. We've seen a lot of models across the continent where um, working capital is given to farmers for them to expand their yields as a way for them to um, so expand their yields, um, which also um, helps them increase their well, expanding their deals, increase their sales, but then also increases their own um, personal revenue, but then revenue for the business that provides that um, financing to them. Um, so I think, in my opinion, I don't think agricultural, um, like, like ag tech businesses, or maybe just businesses within the agricultural space should be treated any differently when it comes to um, debt capital or their ask for um, debt capital, mainly because use cases are similar across other industries. I mean, if we compare ag tech versus logistics, the physical asset components do the same. They may need tractors, um, logistic businesses may need buses or um, cars, or in some other case, they may need working capital for the farmers. Logistic businesses may need um, working capital for their riders in order to purchase things like for fuel loans or um, any other, um, let's say, cash requirements that they may need for the journey that they, they would need to take. So um, in terms of use cases, and just kind of following the same format that I've been talking about, we think about the physical assets um, type of business in the ag tech space. Think, for, think of a company like Helitractor, and the physical asset in that case would be the tractors that they provide to the farmers within their networks. Um, I think those tractors could easily be financed, right, um, where a debt provider either, um, or let's say in a scenario where Untapped would finance tractors um, for Hello Tractor, we would finance the initial purchase of the tractor. And then um, we would get a return based on the revenue generated from the use of the tractor. Um, it is, again, like I said, Untapped's model is very different from traditional debt providers. I think tra traditional debt providers may require some additional form of collateral, either the lien to the tractor. Um, in the case that if repayments aren't made in a timely manner, they would um, you know, take ownership of it. But, I mean, I feel like the fundamentals for that are still the same. Now, if we think about, let's say, working capital example, and maybe this one may, may not have gotten like a direct source of funding from a debt provider, but an example where, um, let's say, I guess a, a company like Tomato Just, for example, um, one of the things that they do is that they give their farmers um, loan packages as a way to, it's almost like farming packages when it starts to, when at the beginning of the farming season, for them to, for the farmers to be able to have the inputs needed to um, grow tomatoes. So everything from um, the tools um, that they need to even um, assigning some workers to them, um, which kind of to support them with the growth process. That's another angle of debt, where if a debt provider were to come in, they'll be providing that in the form of working capital. Um, so given those examples, and just, I guess, to summarize what um, my answer to your question is, um, in theory, you know, no, I don't think um, agri-tech or even just companies in agricultural space sh um, should have different requirements when it comes to, um, I guess, debt provisions or when it comes to them um, getting debt from financiers. But maybe a different take to it is to understand the fact that different debt providers will have different requirements um, from the companies. So it's very important for um Agri-tech companies, as they are looking for the right debt providers for them to actually seek out the ones that fit their model best, um, the capital intensiveness of um, some agri-tech companies or even the capital intensiveness of just agricultural um, projects or just agriculture farming in general, um, sometimes is um, like 
sometimes um, creates hesitation for um, debt providers, not even just debt providers, just financiers in general, to provide capital for that space. Though, as we all know, um, that agriculture is one of the biggest, and one of the industries that does have the biggest potential for development for the continent, definitely something that we should be supporting more. So I think it, it would also be interesting, maybe in a later edition of this, to also hear from the architect founders on what um, they've seen and when it comes to kind of like requesting for debt, debt or even equity capital from financiers and finding a way for both sides to kind of work together to reduce the um, financing gap when it comes to that. Cool. Um, thank you, Yvonne. Again, I underline the fact that still irrespective of you giving um, debt capital, it brings me back to Wambui's first point of founders building in sustainable ways, which to venture capitalists, it's still going to be being asset light and also being operationally efficient, not just operationally operationally um, bogus. So it now takes me to trying to balance the fact that if, uh, and, and, and this question is for you, and it can also piggyback on, on Yvonne to maybe give up uh, um, our own thoughts on it. For, for ag tech, right? If you're thinking about asset light, what is the mentality looking like? Is it that, again, it's that you as much as possible as, even if you need uh, mechanized tools or you need um, devices that need to be adwares in different spaces, what is the efficient way to be um, asset light, irrespective of your model? And also, um, for, for, for an asset financer um, like Yvonne, does equity play in that kind of again support round, which is would you typically just work with an asset founder that is like, I don't want to raise equity, I just want debt. Um and they don't have maybe venture maybe they don't have venture backers or whatnot. And it's like, do you still believe the same criteria as you would judge models that have been in the space over time have raised um equity and also have become kind of like fundraise businesses or venture bank businesses that are now saying like we're just using a debt to supplement um, our different models, which is again, um, the ruling kind of arm of their business where, where, they, do, where they do trade. Um, Wambo, if you could kind of like talk through maybe the first part of the question and then maybe touch upon the second part, Yvonne, if you could kind of like just complement um, that question. What, what, what are like the viable ways of this ag tech and debt? Must it be together? Almost more come before the other. Thank you, Ayo. Uh, so it's a good question. I'd say it's highly dependent on what business model you're pursuing. So, for instance, we've come across founders who are in the ag tech space, but they take up instead of using tech as an enabler or as a facilitator, they actually take up a lot of the primary production value chain. So, for instance, if you have a person that wants to essentially create a market access for smallholder farmers producing whatever it is you want to say, let's say French beans, as opposed to the mindset for how can we buy these French beans and then create a marketplace to sell to uh, the end users, the market, we find that a lot of people take up this. They want to buy the produce from the smallholder farmers, put it in a marketplace and then sell as opposed to actually just acting as the middle person. So I'd say it depends on what business model is. If you know that you cannot stay away from heavy infrastructure and that is just ingrained in the business model, 
my advice would be then looking for the right sources of capital. So I won't touch on debt because Yvonne is going to talk about that. But on the equity side, I'd say if you're talking, for instance, to VCs, it could be international VCs or it could be local VCs. It's very important to look for VCs that actually have Arctic in their portfolio that understand what investing in Arctic in Africa looks like so that then you have proper expectations on how quickly the business can grow, how long, they, how patient they need to be before the business picks up. If you find that the model then is not aligned to do asset light and high margins, then look at SME investors and they're there and they're many. Uh, they're investors that do SME investing in the ag tech space that tend to have an impact focus. Or you can look at VC funds that are impact driven, that are investing in both asset light and infrastructure heavy businesses. So I'd say it depends. If your business model is asset, go, asset light, for sure go to top VCs. If your business model is not asset light, look for SME investors for the equity side or look for VC investors that have actually invested in the ad tech space and they understand the nuances in the market. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, thank you so much, Wamboy. I see Tayo's hand up. But, uh, do you want to okay, go before before Yvonne, just in case Yvonne has like, for, um, feedback, she could just add when you're done. Um, you could go. Let's say debt versus equity or if both would be needed. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in both um, to needed to be like for scale. Um, I think one thing that we we should all really understand is that debt is not is not necessarily competing with equity, right? Um, debt investment and equity is actually complementary to um, equity investments, whereas equity would be used. Um, and I guess I'm focusing on let's say asset asset heavy businesses. Um, debt would be debt would be used to to finance um, the capital intensive segment of those businesses. So, like I explained earlier, financing the physical assets, providing the working capital needed for scale, whereas equity um, could be used to actually grow the internal operations of the core business. So, everything from um, covering overhead, covering marketing, um, and other additional necessary expenses um, for a business to grow. So um, while understandably so, I think, or I guess understanding where um, on Juan Bui's point in the terms that equity investors would most likely not would most likely not want to finance um, the asset heavy component of the business, that's where leveraging debt comes into play. Um, but it's now kind of like at that sweet spot where um, at different stages you need to get access to different types of debt investors that actually fit your. Um, need at the time, um, both need in terms of need of need to your need in terms of what you're financing, but then also your stage and their willingness to finance you, um, considering all the different requirements that they have. So there's some debt investors that require a huge, um, a lot, like let's say some form of collateral, either physical collateral, or even financial collateral. Um, you probably most likely need those at a later stage when you're. Um, and just talking about funding stages, maybe in like a series B stage when you're trying to, let's say, scale out um, a segment of your business that you've already found um, to be successful and you just want to grow it either across geographies or locations. Um, maybe at a slightly earlier stage where you already have a proven model, but you just want to do that initial scale to um, for the assets um, or that segment of your business to um, reach more markets within one particular geography. Um, and you need assets to do that, 
um, a funding source like Untapped Global um, or other similar financiers would be the best bet for you at that time um, because it won't eat too deep into your business. But then it also reduces the worry from equity investors. Um, I think another thing about equity and debt being complementary is that one thing that investors tend to look at and financiers tend to look at is your debt to equity ratio. So you can't take to, take on too much debt despite being um, a capital intensive business without having a supporting supporting equity in your books to balance that out. So that's also another thing to consider, um, especially if you're thinking about the financial dynamics of raising both debt and equity together. But in summary, it's just um, in summary to my, my to summarize my answer. I'm a big advocate in, in terms of debt and equity are complementary. Um, it's okay to raise both, but just know what aspect of your business you're raising it for. Um, in line with what Lambui said, yes, equity investors may not want their money to go into um, the asset-heavy segments of your business, which is where you can leverage debt. But then also make sure you're using the right debt at different stages of when you need to raise them. Um, and it's just looking into the right financiers at those different stages for you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, um, Yvonne. Um, those kind of resonates because you're thinking about it, um, it's, though they are complementary, the, the, the ability to be open or the, the interest to be open to either of them, again, it's at the sole discretion of the entrepreneur based on um, how he's trying to build his business. But again, um, as Wambui has mentioned, asset light models, in, in asset light business models, kind of, again, goes with the traditional mindset of the venture capitalist who is thinking of using technology or using software to scale um, businesses than having to, again, invest in assets and also um, visible structures um, in scaling businesses across the multiple sectors across the multiple use cases of the of the of the business or across the, the satisfactory touch points for the customers um i was going to again just add this question to tayo's question and it's just again picking on just aggregating the both of them um the question is does do ad tech founders and this is just based off the insights we see in the market um where across the world the interest in again funding access businesses is seen an uptrend, but in Africa, um, we've just been able to see that in 2019, um, it was one million that was raised um, in AgTech venture capital, kind of like um, venture capital for AgTech. And then in 2020, this was 10, and in 2021, it went to 75. And the kind of deals increases like from three in 2019 and 2020 to 16 in 2021. But again, we are seeing the likes of Twigger Food, the likes of Grow Intelligence, just capture with a big kind of fundraise announcement, which means that maybe these funds are not trickling down to um, early stage um, ag tech businesses um, to be able to raise substantive capital that we know ag tech businesses also need as against what we find in like the other spaces of like fintech and other stuff. So my question to you, Tayo, is do ag tech funders have to work with sector-based investors for them to be able to get the kind of investment they need as against other sectors where like people are saying they're sector agnostic, but they are more interested in fintech than other sectors. So it's like, are we, as that kind of stifled the venture landscape where ad tech founders, if they want to build ad tech businesses, have to go and look for people that again have 
more of an open mind towards it uh, and they're kind of nuanced in that to be able to build at the earlier stages. And also, how do we, be, how do we think, you know, what's African thought process to scaling this fundraisers as these founders and businesses mature, which is another interesting thing that we might, I think we might just condense into this conversation if you, if you could give us your feedback on it. Okay, cool. I'll try to answer those. I think the first, first question was, um, should somebody who is in ag tech uh, go to an ag tech funder um, specifically? And I think the answer for me is yes. Um, in agriculture, a lot of this, a lot of the success that you see in agriculture that, that I'm aware of is um, it's, it's that it's relationship-based and it's network-based. So if you're going to launch a new opportunity uh, or a new innovation or, or new solution within agriculture, try to target investors, like somebody mentioned before, uh, that has ag tech in, the, in their portfolio or they specialize in ag tech because the access to markets that you'll get and the um, the learnings that you get specific to the industry um, is immeasurable, you know, so you don't just want to get money. And I think it's probably true for any industry, but especially so with agriculture, where it's much harder to, to get in and it takes longer for you to actually start, um, you know, uh, scaling your business. So just to, just to again, help a okay. bit more context. Even if AgTech founders work with AgTech-focused investors, which, again, yeah. FFA is one, we see that mm-hmm. there is still a shortage of capital at the scale cool. stage, which, again, yeah. we say, yeah, which, again, is like over 2021, only 68 million was even invested in debt. That's one. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's pick venture capital, which is equity, as, as one. We've seen very few businesses in Africa go on to raise, raise matured um, or, or growth stage funding, which is an example is Twiga um, raising 50 million. And also, mm. um, you're also seeing Grow Intelligence raise about 40 million. And also, you mm. are seeing Sun Culture raise 14 million. What is an African nuanced approach to finding capital that, can, that we can deploy? for AgTech founders yeah. at the growth stage. Is, do you have any thoughts around that? Um, so I agree with you that there is a challenge. Um, and I don't think I can speak uh, quite broadly and say, you know, this is a specific African solution or African-focused solution to get to that answer. Um, but uh, I know what we are specifically doing because we actually recognize that gap. Um, so one of the things that we do is um, uh, we actually, cause the, so the ticket sizes when you're talking about ag tech are typically a lot larger than you would for you know uh, some of the other businesses because of the assets that are involved, whether you're asset light or whether you are um, uh, capex heavy, um, you know the, the ticket size are a little bit um, higher, and as a result. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, they tend to get washed out uh, a little earlier uh, than they would normally with, with, with other businesses at that early round. Uh, and then as a result, um, from what we've seen sometimes is that it gets really hard to raise follow-on funding when um, your organization's founders aren't sufficiently 
incentivized to stay in the business over a longer period of time, over successive rounds, where they're going to get even, their holding is going to be even more diluted at those points in time. So one of the things that we've done to try to address that is we've said, well, okay, cool, we are, we are founder friendly. If the founders aren't happy, if they're not incentivized, the business doesn't go anywhere at a very early stage. So what we do is um, we invest equity and debt at the same time. So when, earlier when we were talking about equity and debt being complementary, um, like that resonated really well with us, uh, with me at least, um, because what we sometimes do is say, okay, cool, you need a million, uh, you know, to, to, to go to market and deploy your solution. Um, so what we'll do is we'll maybe make uh, all that uh, equity and then eight of that will be debt, but we want you to repay that debt to us. Um, and the idea behind that is that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes these businesses, once they start working, are able to pay back their assets quite quickly or over a relatively short period of time but they don't have the track record uh, to do so. And a lot of debt funders won't necessarily back them. Um, so what we do then is we give them the opportunity to go and prove themselves um, and we get that capital back, but we still have that equity position that we took earlier. Um, and then once we have that proven record, we can then hand over that facility to a debt funder, such as potentially you, you know, an untapped global to then say, okay, cool, there's history, it works, let's move forward. So I think that's one way but that comes from the funder side, um, you know, uh, in, in, to, to address it. I think um, apart from, you know, trying to find out who those innovative, I think, um, non-traditional funders are, people who are trying to tackle these problems in a new way, I think, you know, you got to go back to the default and it's, it's sort of like, how can I make my business as nimble as possible? How do I bootstrap? How do I, how do I show that, you know, um, uh, I can win customers, and I think that that's probably the only way that I can see that you might uh, um, be able to to trust the chasm from early stage to scale without necessarily, um, you know, trying to find those 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 funders that are maybe outliers trying to do things differently. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Ty. I mean, what you just mentioned is essential, which is like again, the fundamentals of business will still reign supreme. Um, uh, and then just uh, just as you begin to again build and you see your customers as your main investors, either of, either there is capital, or there's no capital, you would you would scale. But again, it just it just makes me think that because we are trying to we are building businesses. Okay, Eunice, um, Wambui has some thoughts on that. Um, Wambui. Yeah, I just wanted to reinforce what Tahir has said on if you should be focusing on ag agnostic investors versus ag tech focused investors. I'd say you definitely need to look at the ones with heavy ag tech focus uh, investors. So in my previous life, I was investing in VC funds. And every time a VC fund says they are sector agnostic, you will most sure find that majority of their portfolio company is fintech. And then even on the part that you find is on the few that you're looking at that have Arctic, within that Arctic portfolio, more than half of it tends to be ag finance, which is really fintech, but in the Arctic space. So then from that, the main other areas you see them financing would be somebody like in an agribusiness marketplace that's basically helping farmers get seeds or training or anybody in logistics that's optimizing those cold chains or delivery routes 
or anybody in retail tech ventures that's basically bringing informal food vendors online. So if your business is not aligned with those three business models or ad tech finance, you definitely want to look at investors specifically uh, focusing on ad tech. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that one. I was just saying, my, my, my question is just going to go across. We've talked about debt. We've talked about equity. And I was just going to say, okay, let's just do a round number across our speakers for tonight, right? Debt, grants, equity. In a scale of one, two, three. Uh, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, um, ladies and gentlemen. Pick what to you your in your perception. I know it doesn't I know it doesn't it's not one ranks before the other, but pick um for your from your preference, one, two, three, what do you think? I'll start with you, Tyre. Debt, equity, grants. What do you uh-huh. think? Uh-huh. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my order in, but okay. I also want to just bring light to the fact that even though we're gonna say you know what we think is great and what is preferable in you know it's, a lot of it is gonna depend on the context and the type of business that people run because of, more often than not you know for some founders it's gonna be uh, you know take what you can get um, because there's nobody else at the table. Uh, but uh, so from what we've seen, I think that works really well in our model is that um, we're lucky enough to have access to a grant facility. It's the same grant facility that we had before we, de- we started doing VC. Uh, we still use it um, and it's a great opportunity to get new technologies onto the market um, at no at very low risk or, or no risk to the entrepreneur. Um, so they get a chance to start this stuff and demonstrate value. And then from there, we can start looking at equity um, because we need to have a substantial return for the, the type of risk that we're taking. Um, and then debt helps, just helps them move forward a little bit uh, quicker without necessarily being too burdensome on them. So grant, equity, debt, that's my difference. Okay, um, I'll take this to... Uh, um... I'm not going to say Yvonne is biased, but I'll take this to Yvonne. Uh, and then just for context to our, to our listeners, we are not saying um, that one is good, better, or worse. We're just saying, again, based on the sector, access to these instruments to the founders, access to support, and access to also institutional investors. What are they thinking or how are they kind of ruling out participation in this sector is what we are just trying to be based on the experience of our our speakers have them just again pull it which is not neither right nor wrong so Yvonne over to you um and just to confirm you're asking for the ranking in terms of debt grant or equity yes tricky one right because yes um I don't think there's a there's a perfect way but um, in, a, in an ideal world, if all of those instruments are available to you, um, you know, at different phases to be, and it's not hard to raise any of them, again, ideal world. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always say that um, you should start with grants, um, especially when you're in the earlier R&D phase. Um, you need the flexibility to be able to um, test, out, test out the model that you're going with. Um, and then I would say the next 
One there would be uh, equity, um, and then debt for scale. So I would say grant, equity, then debt. Thank you, um, Yvonne. Um, Wambui? Yeah, I am also going to have to break the rules a little bit here. And call it more, <laughs> please, more of please a timing issue. <laughs> yeah, more of a timing issue rather than the ranking. I uh, very much agreed with Yvonne. I think uh, grants, first of all, they are available for companies in the ag tech space. So take advantage of them, but I'll call it strategic grants. So you have to make sure that you're using this grant capital to essentially have a proof of concept because the next one, which is equity for B, is that the investors will not want to finance your hypothesis testing. They won't finance something that is already proven. So I'd say first get the grant if possible, prove your concept, get the equity investors in and let them uh, finance the part of your business that is the tech angle of your business and scale that and then get the debt to finance your infrastructure heavy part. Now the advantage that at ag tech that is asset heavy has over other businesses is exactly that, that it has assets that can be used as collateral for debt. I know someone like Untapped Global has a different, uh, more customized solution, I'd say, to Agtech not requiring the collateral, but most debt investors will want to have that collateral. So use that when you are asset heavy for sure. But so strategic granting, as a strategic, uh, strategic grants, and then equity to scale the tech angle and debt to finance your infrastructure heavy part. Amazing, amazing, thank you. Um, so thank you so much again for everybody that has been with us from um, when we open our doors at um, 5 p.m. Ghanaian time um, and then um, 6 p.m. GMT and 7 p.m. Um, South African time for just being, being with us on this on this journey and just again having our speakers share their feedbacks and also thought processes. Um, again, just to retreat, we have Yvonne um, from Untapped Global, um, who are providing um, asset um, financing to entrepreneurs, and they have participated and are still open to conversations um, from agri-tech entrepreneurs, um, asset financing, and then also they, they make their kind of uh, money um, from, again, profit sharing. Um, which has been able to also give like some more context in the introduction. And also we have Tayo, who again has been a venture builder and also an investor across um, different verticals, but he's also participated in building and supporting ag tech founders. And then and then Wambui, who is my colleague <laughs> and also an investment manager at Founders Factory. And what she, what she does at Founders Factory is she's there as, um, again, a sounding board, a support structure, and also a professional focus on helping the entrepreneurs scale their businesses to asset to more capital and also asset to essential market nuances that enable founders attract or gain growth. So is there anyone in the audience that has specified questions for like the, the panelists? Thank you. Um, um, I just want uh, first of all, I um, uh, thanks for the space. I just wanted to ask, um, what 
um, do you guys lead round like proceed and what are your what is the range of your check sizes? Secondly, Yvonne, um, can I also ask um, when you're um, financing um, uh, what I want, what I like to call hardware, basically, um, what are your check sizes as well, please? Thank you. Uh, okay, let me let me go first, and then I just give to Yvonne. Yeah, we do lead rounds. Um, we do lead rounds on Founders Factory. Um, again. For us, it's a lot more of how do we enable rounds to close than how do we act in isolation to lead rounds. So for us, is yes, and our the entrepreneur we are engaging with is looking to raise this amount of capital for scale um, or to text to test out the, the business, launch the business. For us, is how do we find people, entrepreneurs or non-entrepreneurs? How do we find investors that are aligned? And then how do we kind of pull everybody together to be able to get this round close and move the funnel from point A to point B? Um, Yvonne, your, um, your, your feedback to these questions. Yeah, happy to um, answer that, um, Obina. So for us, when we are financing um, assets, we kind of do it in two phases. The first phase that we call a pilot, the second phase that we call a scale-up. Um, so for the pilot, our ticket sizes ranges from, um, I say, fifty to one hundred k. And the pilot is not like you starting a pilot. So ideally, we would like to see a proven business model, um, and it's more like you just want to add some additional assets on the ground. The pilot would be um, us piloting with you to kind of test out um, if our model works. Because, um, like I mentioned, data integration is a core part of our model. The rev share aspect is also another core part of our financing model. Um, and then it's just making sure we're maintaining a good relationship as we scale um, using um, I think taking those different components into consideration. So we would run what we call a pilot, um, monitor it for the first couple of months. And that's a way for us to kind of monitor the growth of your business, understand um, your business operations a lot deeper and in a more data driven approach. Um, and then if everything um, aligns and there's need for additional financing, we move on to what we call a scale-up. Um, so now scale-up can be in different phases, and we, we kind of do a phase scale-up approach because our goal is to become um, flexible on-demand capital providers for you um, and your business, where we would provide, let's say, an initial additional check, um, larger check of, let's say, if we give you 100000 we can scale up and give you an additional to 50000 at one go. Um, or we sometimes do a phase approach where we create almost like a facility of, let's say, up to a million, um, and then we kind of just, that would be dispersed over a period of time, um, ensuring that some specific conditions are met. So that's kind of how we approach financing, um, the ticket sizes across the different phases. Okay, um, thank you, Yvonne. I you didn't share numbers, but I guess you're not allowed to do that if you're not, I don't know, but that's fine. Um, Thanks, guys, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obina, so again, like I mentioned, is it depends on the size of the round that would detect the side of what a lead would bring to the table. Thank you so much, everybody. I think this is just about the right time to again shut this racist down. But we appreciate everybody for coming out. And thank you so much to my speakers for making the session. And yeah, that's it. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. everyone. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.